Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, and good night. My name is Ash, I am one of your ghosts here at Horror Vanguard, joined as always by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, at the Lit Crit Guy, John hey. at the Lit Crit Guy. How's it going? Good, good. I am extremely excited that we are almost done with all of the Saw films. I And I gotta admit, this is my fault. I totally screwed this up for us, because the last room we were in... There was a sign that said, uh, uh, live your pain to find your freedom. And it was a, uh, a slip and slide covered in razor wire. And there was another sign that said, watch Jigsaw and Spiral and you'll be out in four hours. I thought it would be a good idea for us to just watch two more horror movies. And this one's on me. I mean, you know, live or die, make your choice. And um, <laughs> I, ha- I, I have to say, and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't say this lightly. You absolutely made the wrong choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for, for one thing, though, I, now, now that I, I have, uh, we're, we're not talking about Spiral today, and I have seen Spiral now, but I now appreciate life. I, <laughs> I, I have been jigsawed. I, 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 see, I see the color and beauty and reality in new ways because I have been made to suffer. <laughs> uh, but we will get to that. We will get to our ever-growing list of Darren's who are on the list of HV Nemesis. Spiral, we're we're up to two Darren's now. After Spiral, uh, Aronofsky's got friends. Yep, absolutely. It's but but before that, before we get to a nice slice of Spiral ham, yeah. Yep, we have to deal with uh, a deeply boring and uneventful film that somehow made over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, and like. I guess we can talk about that really quickly because like horror movies are almost foolproof from a business investment standpoint. If you're a major Hollywood studio, you know, you, you shoot your movie on 10 mil. You can, even if your movie is just the most derivative, tired, uneventful, poorly timed, unmarketed thing, you're going to make two or three times that back. That's just kind of, at least pre COVID that was just kind of like, the taken wisdom of the industry. You make a $10 million conjuring clone, it's going to make 20 to 30 million at the box office and everybody will make some money. So this stuff, it's not, it's not super shocking to me that these saw movies keep, keep on cash and checks. What sort of like interests me though, is saw 3d, saw 3d or saw the final chapter comes out in 2010. The franchise is basically, uh, starting to show its age, as we talked about, paranormal activity is is demolishing it at the box mm-hmm. office. Twenty seventeen, which the longer I think about it, is it, the weirder it gets that you try and bring back Saw. The producers decide to take another crack at this. They go, actually, um, the producers. Uh, I think it's actually the the writers for Saw three D are kind of interviewed saying, you know what the reveal with Dr. Gordon was kind of rushed, raises more questions than it answers. You know what? Maybe there's, there's more that we can kind of say about this, um, which on the surface, fine. And then we get this. We get this film 
And I, we don't do prices, but maybe, like, if you had to describe this in a couple of sentences, what have we got here? Mm, mm, this is this is tricky, right? Because there's a lot going on with this movie that I think, um, re- really, what this reminds me of is like, uh, so some of some of the like least interesting stuff. In, in in like okay so there's a there's a music festival in chicago every year called riot fest um it's it's this massive spectacle of punk and metal and rock and rap and just just all kinds of like music right one one of the things that riot fest likes to do is uh they'll they'll be the vehicle or they'll be the reason why some band that has been retired for five years gets reanimated and recongealed for an evening Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and you'll be treated to a magical experience like uh, listening to Glenn Danzig complain about how blood is sticky and he hates playing guitar for 40 minutes straight. Um, Sounds great. <laughs> Jigs- Jigsaw is that. Jigsaw is everybody's a little broke. Everybody's a little tired. Uh, one of their songs went one of one of Jigsaw's songs went viral on TikTok. And now they're bringing the band back together for one last big show. And boy, is it going to be bad. Okay, like here, here's my first kind of complaint. This doesn't look anything like a Saw movie, and this is yeah. this maybe something that dogs the entire like aesthetically. The Saw franchise is about decay, uh, rotting industrialism, and kind of like hardware. That's what it's about. It's it's about deserted industrial estates, abattoirs, factories hollowed out by neoliberalism. The majority of this film takes place in a brightly lit pastoral setting of a barn. And it just feels weird. Watching this feels like an overly long, boring spin-off of Criminal Minds. <laughs> this definitely did feel... This is, this is one of those like Criminal Mind two-parters where like... Reed gets abducted, and, and in Criminal Minds, it's always the inverse, right? They all they always wind up in a barn somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you're one hundred percent right. This is just a lesser Criminal Minds two parter. This was the first thing I noticed about the movie. Our first sequence is brightly lit. It's shot like a bad NCIS episode. And and my very first reaction, my first note that I wrote down was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's brightly lit. We're taking a bold new direction for the color here. No, it's only because that that scene was outside. Yeah, it's like your rare it, saw sequence that's outside daylight, so the sun yeah. is busy doing its job. Uh, yeah, you know, you have the 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 image from the trailer of the woman jogging through the park when the body mm-hmm. drops, to, like bright daylight, the barn brightly lit. Like there is no there is no kind of decay. There is no kind of like, okay, whose barn is this? Who who owns this barn? Is this another part of John Kramer's property holding? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is actually. Uh, so there's, there's like a throwaway line of dialogue um, right at the climax of the movie when when all of our protagonists and antagonists show up at this barn, uh, where there's an offhand comment that's like, "Oh, it was owned by Jill Tuck's family." Oh yeah. So it's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, old it's, it's great grandpa Tuck's barn when they first moved to America. It's 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 that that kind of setup let's shall we shall we focalize our barn for a second here yeah let's do it let's let's, let's talk about the barn let's enter the barn zone well welcome to barn chat the new podcast by horror vanguard uh you know we're your uh, number one source for farm and fleet discounts thank you for farm and fleet for supporting this episode 
<laughs> We've got all of the rustic farm accessories and ivermectin you're ever going to need. So hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally feeling better. The penicillin has finally done its job and I've finally cured. So my brain is alive with nonsense. Uh. Um, <laughs> But, but so the barn, I think, is really interesting here because you're absolutely right. What is the quintessential sauce setting? It's, it's the, the decay of industrialism in America, right? It's, it's America shifting from an industrial economy to a service and finance economy. It's, it's all of the loss that comes with that, right? It, and again, like harking back to our episode on the Black Tower, right? It's all of these buildings where like, just, just take a walk, whether you live in a small American city or, or one of America's biggest cities, you know, you just, just go on a walk or a bike ride or a run and you will see plenty of half decayed factory buildings that you have no idea what they do. And there's no good way of finding out what they do either. These mm-hmm. histories are so jagged and half connected. Like I, for, for a while I worked at a, um, abandoned coffin factory and there was a whole 50 year stretch of that building's history where there really just weren't records for what it was used for. It was yeah. just kind of owned by a guy for 50 years and there wasn't a paper trail, um, shrug, you know, like, and that's everywhere here in barns are the same. Right. We're, we're, we're living through a moment where this idea of like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm going to be a farmer. I'm going to work the land like that's disconnected from the reality of contemporary farm labor. Right. We have to talk about like 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 farm workers unionization efforts and their constant struggles for even meager pay. We have to talk about migrant workers. We have to talk about the fact that farms are continually being purchased up by these big corporate fucking like bodies. And on top of that. Even even if you do still have a great grandpa's old farm and you're farming it yourself, uh, you're you're under like there are so many instances of farmers being sued because some GMO corn blew into their field, and and there's no way that they can control for that all the time. And so like we're we're in the same thing, right? This is this is the assault on the working class. We see at all fronts. It doesn't matter which aspect of the working class you live in, and the barn is a great a great vehicle for that. This barn is way too kept up. It doesn't. It doesn't match the lighting. You're absolutely right. The lighting is too bright in here. It doesn't have the vibe. Yeah, the 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 color grade is wrong. The lighting is wrong. Um, it does not understand why this location, right? What's what's what is the what what's the whole point of the aesthetics of Saw? This film just doesn't get it, and it thinks that the barn is just like the cool backdrop. And, and it the could have been. Like yeah, totally. And there was the, like the moment that made me realize this, and made me kind of realize what wasted opportunity uh, this is. It's like the silo trap, mm-hmm. where two characters are about to be drained, dra- drowned in a grain silo, and um, and then somehow, clearly, up in the roof of the silo, there was just a load of like farm implements being kept, uh, and you get like loads of like, oh no, look out for the pitchfork. But there is no kind of like, and it's like. There is the aesthetic appropriation of, as you say, a kind of working class environment, but no understanding of what that environment means. Absolutely. In, in the earlier Saw movies with their industrialization, and that is a setting, I think, get away with it. Because, like, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the machinery of Saw. Like, Saw is an industrial horror, right? J- Jigsaw makes industrial weapons and industrial ways of killing 
You know, th- these these are gruesome yet efficient ways of processing whoever Jigsaw deems unworthy. And then we, we get over here to the barn and all the traps in the barn are just kind of tired, awkward, silly, like they don't fit the environment. They're, they're like a, they're like the Scooby-Doo equivalent of Jigsaw. And it's just it's it's all it's this is saw watered down. Yeah, nothing connects. Nothing mm-hmm. like like the trap that the, the two of the traps which just don't make any sense for where we are. Actually, three three of them don't make any sense. The stuff with the syringes, the big spiral razor blade thing, um, and the wires. None of all of those are completely. Those could happen literally anywhere. And let's 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 go one by one here, really quickly for those three traps specifically, because I think you're right. I, I kind of liked the bucket head thing, just yeah, like, totally. Uh, that was good. That was cool. That was a cool th- opening. But but that was that was in a, a sealed metal box. That was 100% jigsaw. Jigsaw just like airlifted that from one of his industrial traps and set it at the door of the barn. Yeah, totally. That was it. And so it's it's kind of hermetically sealed. It's literally hermetically sealed from the rest of this movie and all of its sequences. But so the syringe trap again. We're playing into the same old thing that Saw as a franchise is just. This is the reverse bear trap on the head of the Saw franchise is this combination of like misogyny and this just just absolute loathing of people who uh, have substance use disorder, right? Like like people who are struggling with addiction and substances like like it's just so cruel. And I know Carly's character wasn't necessarily coded that way, but the whole inject yourself with syringes thing plays into that. Yeah. And like in that that too is so over the top she like her whole thing is like stole three dollars and like she austin stole austin three sixteen dollars from someone and like <laughs> and their inhaler and and there's a scene where like a woman is just dying of an asthma attack on the ground and she's like oh inhaler in one hand bus fare in the other what do i do and, yolo and it's just, yeah and it's just it's this most crass way if someone is willing to let someone die just to steal bus fare. That that kind of wickedness cannot be contained within the heart of an individual human being. Like like if 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 perhaps I am being naive here, but that kind of wickedness has to be systemically influenced. You know, yeah, this person and al- and has also, to be Oh, go on, go on. And also like all of these characters get literally a 30 second or less flashback. Uh, as the exposition like none of the dialogue between them really gives us the necessary characterizing expository dialogue that we need that so that would allow you to do naturalistic storytelling Mm -hmm. they decide to do it all in cutaways and in flashbacks to the past but those flashbacks are are at most 30 seconds so like the thing that the thing that genuinely sort of annoys me here is like there is no reason for you to care like there is no there is no mechanism by which, not even that you have to like the characters, but you have to, in, in order for there to be any kind of like scare, there has to be a degree of emotional involvement on the part of the viewer, right? Uh, and then 100%. when you go, then you go, oh, well, this person did something so heinously evil. You go, Like, how are we supposed to feel any kind of like emotional involvement or cathexis when, uh, you know, Kali is confronted with the choice to use one of those three syringes? Like, none of this kind of, like, it just feels so tired. It just feels like it's just 
going through the motions, you know, cranking out another 90 minutes just to fill time. But this is this is base saw iconography, right? Like this this is just like, oh, what are the kind of people who get themselves in saw traps? That's mm-hmm. now a stock character, right? Like this is Saw's equivalent of a, a bunch of horny, half-stoned teens think it's a good idea to spend the night in the old haunted McGregor mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's this is this is the Saw doing that. This is Saw being tired. Uh, do you want to know what the writer of this film wrote before working on Jigsaw? Lay it on me. The writer of this and the writer of this film worked on the Hungover Games, which is a parody, scary movie style ripoff of the Hangover films. Fuck yeah! Uh, and, th- and this feels like this feels like one of those films, but for the F- Saw franchise. And there are jokes in this movie, and. I'm refraining from making comments about Spiral, one of the worst movies I have ever seen. We'll get to it. We will. But there are jokes in this movie. Like, there's a scene where, like, so there's this big spiral, this conical spiral trap. And this guy, the setup is this guy sold a bum motorcycle to Jigsaw's cousin or nephew or something. And and now Jigsaw is this is personal revenge, right? And so the the motorcycle, uh, I guess, powers this big conical death trap. So the motorcycle is tangentially related, whatever. Um, And the dude's being lowered down, straight down to the middle of the thing. And all he has to do is pull a lever on the bottom. So it's like, dude, just pull the fucking lever. There's nothing nothing in here that's... Like, that trap is just ill-conceived, right? Like, like a lot of the traps in this one just feel like... None of them are very tense. Because they're all just like, just do this fucking thing and you'll be fine. All of them are like, like Carly immediately realizes which syringe is the right one, but for some reason she won't go through with it. Everybody figures out immediately you just gotta, you gotta poke the saw blades and you're free, but nobody really just goes through it. The whole thing is everybody immediately solves the trap, but for some reason they just don't do it. It's, it's incredibly frustrating from, from a visual perspective as an audience member, just, just seeing this non-tension happen. And again, we've talked about this before, but this is so intensely frustrating that like Saw would be Saw would be a known thing. These people would be like, oh, I'm being sawed. Fuck. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, uh it 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 uh it turns out that perhaps that wouldn't mm-hmm. be the case. Uh yeah, mostly we'll, because we'll let's that. let's let's actually let's do let's talk about why that wouldn't be the case, which let's is one it. of the big na- narrative problems of how this film kind of looks. So the big twist is our game is happening in the past. It's a kind of prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the very first games, uh, and it's being investigated years. Uh, what is it? Years after Jigsaw's death. Mm-hmm. But the, here's here's the big problem, and actually this is a this is for for all of the flaws of the Saw franchise. This they actually got right, which is if you set up multiple chronologies or multiple narratives within the same space. You need clear differentials in aesthetics and color to help the audience keep track of what is happening when and where, right? Yeah. Uh, All of this, all of this film looks identical. It looks exactly the same. Um, And it's separated by more than a decade. Um, and, And to me, what this means is like, none of this has any impact. When you find out the twist, my response was like, Oh, oh, that makes sense, I suppose. But I didn't, and I kind of saw the twist coming, 
but it had no kind of like emotional resonance. It didn't affect me because the aesthetics and and semiotics of the film hadn't kind of primed me to feel that way. What What about you? I, I mean, like, so when we got to the big twist, you know, when we reveal that our two protagonists who die in that room, oh, it's their corpses have been rotting on the ground for years because this was one of Jigsaw's first traps. Um, because there's no setup for that, it has no. It, it only has like a Kuleshov effect connection to the yeah. current timeline. And I'm for me, that's as such a viewer, a good way of putting it. Yeah, for me as a viewer, that I have now no no emotional relationship to this chronology, and so when it's revealed to me, I I don't I don't know what the movie is suggesting I should feel. Am I supposed to be shocked uh, because it's actually two timelines? Am I supposed to feel? horror that this has happened twice in the same location I, I don't know what the movie was going for so i just felt uh tired <laughs> yeah exactly um and <laughs> actually given that this is happening 10 years after jigsaw's death we should probably talk about our four uh i uh, yeah the, our, our cops who are investigating um, who are all useless and suck and are terrible. Um, what, do, what do we think about the world 10 years after the death of John Kramer that's depicted to us? Uh, so he, there, there's some, the part of the, one of the things that has continually frustrated me as we've gone through these Saw movies is that there's so much here that could be intriguing and, and useful and a way to look into our culture through the lens of Saw. And and, and not even like, I, I'm not saying like we have to do like J -J -J Jigsaw hits the pause button and, and opens the movie curtains and walks on stage and, and begins to read some Kropotkin to the audience or something. But like the this, this movie it just feels lethargic. Right, and its depiction yeah, it, of the Saw future is just riddled with that same lethargy. It feels simultaneously both way too long and, given the kind of story that it wants to tell, way too short. <laughs> um, yes. And, and like, <laughs> uh, Halloran is really the only character who feels like he may have... Like, this was like Hoffman's drinking buddy from back in the day. Uh, who was like a cartoonishly evil cop, mm. um, but he exists in this like naturalistically lit, sunny, urban environment that carries no threat with it at all. He's the only one who kind of feels like a a, a kind of recognizable type, um, and and uh, the the other character who I just feel this film is very weird about is Eleanor. Oh, let's okay, okay. I'm pulling, I'm pulling my Ele Eleanor Bonneville alarm. We have entered, we have entered the Jigsaw fangirl zone. Um, we uh, all get okay. to be fangirls <laughs> for Jigsaw. So uh, let's let's have some fun here. I'm I'm gonna put so, on my one to one recreation of the reverse bear trap for this section. Great. Um, so so for people who have not seen the film, it's set ten years after uh, the death of John Kramer, and there is a character who works as a um, a uh, mortician um, called Eleanor, who is revealed to have a deep, dark secret. Uh, it turns out that <gasps> there is a jigsaw fandom that congregates 
on the dark web. And <gasps> Eleanor, and Eleanor has a secret shame, a workshop where she makes and sells recreations of uh, iconic jigsaw traps. Now, Ash, what are the many problems with this? Well, let's 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 start right at the top and pick this thing apart. Um, Eleanor Bonneville is Saw's because the entire Saw franchise, kind of post Saw three, is just a bad episode of like Criminal Minds, NCIS, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, Eleanor is finally this franchise is coming around to sort of introducing um, Pauli Perrette's character from NCIS, Abby. The kind yes. of goth, uh, uh, techy type. Although in this case, she's like an autopsy technician. So, so that's that's kind of what we're set up here. And the movie, of course, because this is a fucking Saw movie, it's incredibly misogynistic towards her. Everybody oh, is hugely. It's hugely it, to, to the point where it's just like un, unnervingly disgusting. And that's been a thing with these last few Saw movies. Is it's just like. It's uh, it is it is it is beyond the kind of pale, right? Like when I watch it, when I watch your bog standard horror movie, I expect some degree of misogyny because we live in a misogynistic culture, and it reflects. This is like active, right? This is that next level up the chain. The way that her character, the way that Bonneville's character is treated, is just awful. Um, just constantly sexualized and fetishized by every single person around her, including the movie itself. It's just unhinged. Uh, but but let's 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 have some fun here. So so she's she's a Saw fangirl. Uh, she she's into the history of the Jigsaw serial killer um, it, to the point where she has she has like a studio where she re painstakingly recreates jigsaw traps uh, and one to one replicas of of those things. And it, it's oh, oh oh no, all the cops think it's her that's the killer because she's doing this crazy. Who would do that? Who would who would be a fan of us? And I'm like, do you even know the world in which this movie was made? Like, do you do you are you were, were, was anyone involved in the creation of Jigsaw alive in the last fifty years of American history? Like, like America, perhaps uniquely, uh, is really into like weirdly fetishizing serial killers as cultural objects. Yes, you know, like. Uh, this this is like we are we already talked about Pogo the clown being a stock character on Supernatural, right? We we have we have uh, uh, plenty of like documentaries and mockumentaries about like Dahmer and all the rest of these these like iconic serial killers, I guess. Yeah, then, Zach Efron would play Ted Bundy like eighteen months after this film came out. Yes, yes, and that spawned a litany of of people fighting online about whether or not it was okay to be horny on Maine for Bundy. <laughs> and and, and Saw is, doesn't understand is, this. People Fuck. would people would straight up be thirst posting about young John Kramer. Like this would yes. not be some like deep dark shameful secret. There would be there would be like sparkly gifts of john kramer when he was young plastered all over tumblr and twitter you're you're, you're 100 right like okay so, so so bonneville's thing is that she she has painstakingly recreated one-to-one -one saw traps she, she would not be dealing with these misogynistic jerks at her day job she would be making thousands and thousands of dollars just money getting dumped into her bank account to sell these things to 
collectors and weird art exhibits and she would be doing the effects on the Netflix special on Jigsaw. And like, like, like America does not have a cultural taboo about talking about serial killers. You know, like there, there may be some hemming and hawing about like when, how soon is too soon, but people numb real quick to that. Like there would be like, you would be able to buy like maybe not the jigsaw, the Halloween costume, but you would 100% be able to buy trap killer TM, you know, buy spirit Halloween. They would have that costume where it would be like a. Uh, a marionette this time with uh, maybe a different geo geometric pattern on its face. And like the fact that this movie cannot see the world in which it lives, it, it is, it is so, I, I am just, I'm beside myself with how bad this is. It's such a missed opportunity, but they tried to reinvent new metal cinema without understanding what made new metal cinema work beyond the beyond the trap element i kept asking myself watching this what the hell is this movie doing it it brings out all the worst like this 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 as new metal revivalism brings out all the worst laziest elements of it strips out anything that might make it aesthetically interesting or even um you know, uh, possibly even ex- experimental in some mm-hmm. small degree, um, and yeah. th- this brings brings us to maybe the kind of low point, which is the the final reel, the the great the kind of big trick card of all the Saw films, um, where everybody converges on the same location and we get our twist after twist after twist. Um, do you do you, what are your thoughts on this ending? deep exhale <laughs> so so the final line that is spoken to us by by it turns out another secret jigsaw apprentice and i i don't want to uh, squandered oh word of the day was spoken again uh carrie elwis where is he mm-hmm. where where yeah, did the where... amazing setup from the previous movie go down the drain is where it went yep our writers just went eh forget it the audience certainly will have yeah, and 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 oh, we're gonna okay. That's the last thing I want to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> but our final line is, "I speak for the dead." Right. So so our new our new jigsaw right our new jigsaw killer his whole shtick is is this kind of corrosive interpretation of hauntology. Right, like he, like he has elected himself to be the envoy of all lost futures, right? He, 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 he is he is the self-appointed voice of those who have died, but that is like that. I think for me, this was like the one. The finally, I wake up during watching this movie, and it's the final five seconds, which is really disappointing. But that last line is really interesting because it's this like. His character in and of itself was this neoliberal attempt to ingest hauntology, right? Yeah, and and, and and what you make it into is you don't make it into anything outward fo- focused. You make it or that would kind of like have a kind of mass yes. impact. Mm-hmm. What you do is you make it into uh, an issue of revenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. That is that is exactly what his character is all about. 
it, it's a, it's a way to like necrotize a, a dead future, a, a broken promise. Like like his character is like this 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 like full and pure embodiment of like that that meme around the Democratic Party where they'll promise something and then never do anything or do the opposite later on. Like it's like that incarnate as the energy of Saw, right? This promise that like, oh, I'm out for I'm gonna make things better for everybody who's lost. But no, no, you're not. You're just gonna make things worse for everybody who is. Yeah, totally. Totally. Table flip. Um What about you? What were your thoughts about the end? I I really like the last line, but his the thing that annoys me, the thing that makes John Kramer interesting is obviously his kind of like philosophical kind of like underpinnings are complete nonsense, but he, at least he has something, right? Mm-hmm. He, uh, John Kramer is not arguing on issues of revenge or of punishment. Like he has a philosophy uh, and it's delivered by somebody charismatic enough that you, even if you go, uh, well, this is all obvious nonsense. Like, the mm-hmm. the moments in the Saw films where just it's Tobin Bell talking to someone, you kind of go, you know what? I could buy this. I this sort of makes sense. But like, um, first of all, uh, Matt Passmore is no Tobin Bell. Uh, he plays Logan Nelson, and Logan Logan's whole thing is that this is all personal, right? Mm-hmm. This is all this is all a very long, convoluted act of revenge upon the detective who is responsible for the death of his wife. And it's like there is no there is no there is no kind of like grander philosophy here. Uh there is no kind of weight to any of this action. It's just an extremely convoluted way of like shit canning this one dude that you hate. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we, even we, we did <laughs> Oh good go on, go on. You know, we didn't need we didn't need the 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 weird pressure plates in the floor of the <laughs> barn, which you fall through into the wire, which will then cut. Like, you know, could, could have just shot the guy. I mean, I mean, Logan has a sniper rifle. What is he doing? <laughs> and, and he was already set up on a sniper post to snipe the guy. All of this, all of these, like in between steps, were unnecessary. I mean, John Kramer needs like. Uh, you know that the, his cast iron nut twister because he has like <laughs> he, he has a he has a philosophical kind of mission. It's what makes him scary, right? It's bigger yeah. than just one person. You know, uh, uh, Tobin Bell is constantly saying it's not personal. It's not about revenge. Murder is distasteful, even though that's complete nonsense. Like, there's a kind of sense of something greater than oneself being involved. This is just about killing a killing a dude that's that's yeah. what this movie is about <laughs> yeah and and you're you're absolutely right like this, this is the thing that makes jigsaw compelling as like because jigsaw does fit into the 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 pantheon of slasher killers right the the the, the he, he slashes in a different way than michael and jason and freddie but he nevertheless is at home with these dudes right this is kind of what he speaks to and in the fact that like he he has an ethics, even even though it's broken constantly and it doesn't apply, like you're one hundred percent right. That's what makes him threatening. You know, it is because he it's not that he actually has rules that he behaves by and believes in. It's that he believes he has rules that he behaves by and believes in. Yeah, precisely. He right, has that, a bigger bigger vision of himself. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's what makes that's what makes Tobin Bell's Jigsaw tense and scary and work in a lot of this stuff, right? And this movie is just petty revenge, and a bunch of people get caught in the crosshairs for no good reason outside of this is a Saw movie, and he couldn't just shoot the guy in a parking lot or something. Well, had, you know, we we yeah, we gotta we gotta torture the fuck out of some petty criminals and victims of poverty and substance abuse, just so you know. We've got to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, how will I? Runtime, yeah. How will I get my revenge? <laughs> so, I want to. I want to. I want to talk about one last thing really quickly. And I know that this is going a bit long for a mini episode, but there's one thing that I had to talk about, and that's the positive reviews for this film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. So, so, similar to my comments for a previous Saw movie, and echoing my comments for a future Saw movie, the fuck is wrong with you? Um, like so so here's a few uh so I, i've clipped some words here some words from positive reviews of this movie it's a fun ride it's ghastly it would satisfy a long-term saw fan it, I, I just wanted to highlight those because like under what context is this a fun ride what what about this is ghastly uh how how do we satisfy a long-term saw fan and i think that last one for me is the most important right because subjectively sure you might have had a fun ride watching jigsaw you might have found it even ghastly um it, admittedly i i soak myself in a bathory style tub full of horror movies every day so this wasn't particularly ghastly or a fun ride for me but um, <laughs> that last one like if this is what it takes to satisfy a Saw fan from the perspective of the Saw franchise, and n- nothing more than crass, vague symbolism and iconography, that means that that Saw franchise definitionally loathes its fans and does not respect them. Uh, I, I, I think, I think the logic of the producers is we'll knock out one more of these, make a hundred million dollars, and it does not matter how good it is because they don't have any like i i i honestly find these quite frustrating because as i've gone on i've realized there's quite a lot that i actually like about the films uh particularly the first three which i think can be funny and scary and Mm -hmm. have some interesting ideas even if they are kind of rubbish (laughs) but but i find that sort of endearing there's a kind of an attempt to do something but by this point it's like we'll knock out whatever slop (laughs) <laughs> we can <laughs> because we know it's going to make 10 times its budget so why should we care why should we take it seriously um and this one is just it's so it's so lazy and it's so boring and everything about it seems cheap yeah i, I think that's the best way that it could be summarized and I've, I've seen spiral now I am on the other end. I, I'm out. I'm out of the game. Um, I have a newfound appreciation for Saws 1 through 7. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, it's like... A, so, so I have, I have um, in, in the third grade, I believe, um, was the year it was, we were tasked to write a book. And we each got these little blank books that had like 20 pages or something. And you had to draw pictures and you had to make a book, right? I, I wrote a book about um, 
a, a bunch of friends going to a haunted house and befriending the ghosts rather than having to be scared or fight the ghosts. They become their friends. And the movie ends with them all playing video games together. Or the book, rather, ends with them all playing video games together, right? Um, I, I have, like, I, I look upon this object with, like, a, an, oh, it's like, oh, like, little ash, nostalgia, look at that. You know, it's 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 garbage. It's absolute garbage. But it was written by a child. You know, saws one through seven. I kind of see in the same way. I was like, oh, like yeah, look at yeah. look at this. It's cute. Yeah. You know, you're trying to do something. That's nice. There's some funny bits. There's some cool bits. There's some neat ideas in here. But it's very juvenile and silly and like. But but saw saw saws jig and spiral. Oh ha ho ho. It's. <laughs> Like the the kind of point of revivalism, like we're in the middle of a kind of like emo revival in terms of music. Yeah. Like if you turn on like Radio One at the moment, it's like being jolted back to like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um. The whole point of revivalism is that like, is exactly that feeling. The kind of like, oh, I remember this. There was some kind of like power in this sort of sense of aesthetics. Um. But this, it feels like, this feels like a very cynical kind of revivalism. Has no real interest in, in that kind of like juvenile, silly, self-serious, introspective, uh, ethical question of horror, right? It's just like, hey, you remember the traps, right? And look, this is a trap with lasers. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, just give the audience a little bit of credit, right? Absolutely. And, like, the thing about these revivals, because, I mean, like, this always happens, right? Like, punk yeah, the is cyclical, constantly... Yeah, yeah. Culture but, goes through cycles, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely, right? And there's nothing wrong with, like, greeting emo now as a Zoomer in this new manifestation of emo, right? You know, like, whatever... You know, like, like I, I remember when I was in high school greeting emo from that perspective and there were older people who were like, oh, but you don't even listen to Beefeater and Rites of Spring. You can't call yourself emo. This doesn't sound like Jawbreaker. Yeah. And, it, it, and it's just whatever, you know, like that's, that's the most silly, silly imaginable critique. But I think like if, if you were an artist actively engaging with revival, right, and you're trying to speak to a, to a, to a bygone aesthetic and a style there, there has to be some kind of like, like with these Saw movies specifically, right? If you're going to breathe new life in a new metal cinema, the only thing about this movie that succeeds by by that framework is the score. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing, the one thing that I uh, like about this film, the one thing is they got Charlie Clouser back to do a new version of the Saw theme, which... It goes unnecessarily hard. It's very good. But the rest of this, like, it's it's a cynical cash grab done by pe- like done by people who genuinely didn't care about what made the original films a success. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's true. And uh speaking of cynical cash grabs, we'll be talking about Saw Spiral next Saturday. Do you have do you have any parting words about uh, Jigsaw? Uh, things can only get worse, it seems. Worse, 
worse in ways that I feel that like I'm the ghost of Christmas future now. I have, uh, you have such sights to show me. I I I know. I I, I opened the puzzle box and, and the Cenobites were like, "Dude, you got to watch this movie starring Chris Rock." And I I screamed <laughs> in pain, wishing they would just rip my soul apart with hooks and stuff. But nope. Um. Well, let's that that's going to be the way that we close out the Soul franchise. But thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I hope you have found some small joy in our suffering. And if you ever get saw trapped in a rickety old barn, just kick out one of the slats in the wall. It's an old barn. The, th- the thing is practically made out of balsa wood at this point. You can just walk on out of that building. <laughs> it's my final we'll comment cut. today. We'll cut it there. <laughs> <laughs> good, good night, everyone. Thank you for this thing that we do together. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.